Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Season 4, Episode 4, we're going to talk about the War of Morrick Hills campaign that Games Workshop put out to cover the Dominion box set, the Stormcast, and the Cruel Voice. And we're going to talk about the first two games that Paven and I played, kind of give an overview of what the the uh, campaign is. And then we're going to kind of do a deep dive into what the Thunderstrike Stormcast are like and uh, get Paven's and my impressions on how we've uh, how they've played so far. Did you have anything to add to that, Paven? No, I'm just I'm really excited to be here. It's been a long time since we recorded, Josh. It's great to hear your voice. Um, and I'm excited to talk about Warhammer. Excellent. Me too. All right. And of course, I am Josh. And answering the call with me this week is Paven. Hey, let's uh, let's kick things off with the our hobby progress section, the Forge of Mithraxis. Uh, Josh, what have you been working on? I have been kind of slacking a little bit, unfortunately. But Oof. I did get the cool boys, uh, the models I needed for our campaign, assembled and based in time for our games. Um, I did get the rest of the Red Harvest terrain put together, so that's great, and I'm looking forward to playing on that and trying that out and see how it all works. Um, and I can't remember if I said last time or not. I don't think so, because it was a joint episode that we did, but I did get all my Dark Oath Savagers primed, based, and even got a, the, the kind of basic flesh tone coat put on with an airbrush. And been doing a lot of research on color schemes and even watched a few movies to kind of get a feel for it. <laughs> and uh, now I need to dive in and start working on actually putting paint on the models besides just the flesh colors. So that's my main goal over the next several weeks is to just start testing stuff and seeing how it works and then and then kind of mixing with it. I'm also kind of planning to do uh, kind of acrylics and I, I watched some videos and I'm going to try doing kind of a, an oil wash and then trying to add some oils for blending. So I'm going to try out some new techniques, you know, and uh, and see how that rolls. Sounds sounds like a a very efficient painting painting method where uh, <laughs> you get inspiration, you watch an entire feature length film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to watch some Conan the Barbarian movies. Yes, you know, right? watch some Conan yeah. the Barbarian movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, even, um... uh, you know, Prime. <laughs> and I got this uh, Frank Franzetta art book for uh, you know one of my christmas gifts i kind of asked for it um because he's a great artist does, did a lot of the initial sci-fi and fantasy artwork and uh, has some really unique color schemes so i thought that might be a nice reference for color schemes and how they work and, and unusual things so also I read through that and kind of looked at different pictures so that, that's been fun i am not familiar but his stuff does look dope on google image search yeah, very 80s, very Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to, man? I know you've been doing quite a bit. I have gotten through some stuff, and I will also give the disclaimer that I couldn't find the show notes for our crossover episode, so I'm not exactly sure what I talked about in that last episode uh, with the Mortal Realms. Um, but uh, here's what kind of uh, things I've been working on are I did a bunch more Stormcast out of Dominion. 
I just, they're really quick to paint up and I really like the way they look. And so I've been kind of doing that for fun in between other things. So I finished two more Annihilators uh, to finish the squad of three, uh, two more Vindictors to finish off the squad of five. Um, this was top of, on top of the Warcry Warband I'd painted. Um, I also uh, scored and, and scored, I mean, uh, asked my friend and then painted two Praetors uh, to finish off the squad of three because Josh cannibalized our, our shared set. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> and they're very good in Warcry. We'll talk about that later. I think they're like the best, the best troop. Uh, so I, of course, had to get more of them before my games with Josh. Uh, so I, and those are all painted up. I also uh, took my uh, tarantulas brood over the finish line. Uh, so those guys are all painted up. I feel, uh, you know, I'm happy they're done. I don't think they're my best paint job, but I think they turned out okay. Yeah, so I feel good about that. And then I painted up five Iron Jaw Brutes because um, I'm kind of, I have a Path to Glory Iron Jaw Warband wah, uh, that I'm, I'm kind of slowly expanding. Um, so that those, those guys turn out great. I love iron draws. I love the models. Uh, Bruce are great. Uh, and I have what's up next. Um, next up is I got five more brutes to paint. Those guys are, I'm working on the skin right now. Nice. Uh, and then I need to convert a war chanter, uh, from thug from Morgork's crushers because I wanted a second war chanter, but they're, they have such a, a static pose and I wanted a different pose. Um, so I've been actually working the models from Morgork's crushers into those brutes except for the one I'm going to turn into a war channer. So I got to do that. Continue working on Dominion Stormcast as I feel the urge. Um, I actually only have the five Vindictors and Yandrasta left in the Dominion box, which is kind of like a huge box set that I've accidentally painted half of. But I feel really good about it. Um, And uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, uh, in, in other news, I don't play very much 40k at all. But when I do, I only play Eldar. And Eldar is about to get a huge 40k release, probably the biggest one in 15 years. Yeah, uh, long yeah time. Hit us up, send us up in the email, see if that 15 years it might be longer. Uh, but I'm super pumped for that. I'll definitely be painting some Eldar. And I need to figure out what I'm going to do for my monster for our circle of paint challenge. Uh, but we're going to talk about that in our circle of pain <laughs> segment. Sounds uh, awesome. That's it. That's yeah. That's, that's awesome. You've done a lot of great work, man. Looking forward oh, to, thanks. to seeing thanks. the rest of the vindicators and the prayer tours on the table. They, they are pretty tough. So. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like I really, uh, I, I really, I, one of my main motivators for painting is so I can talk about it on my podcast sometimes. Exactly. You know, it's good to have motivation in multiple different yeah. forms. Keeps you going. Yeah. It's for the listeners. All right. So now we'll jump to Path to Glory, but we're going to talk more about our two games in our victory condition section where we talk about the campaign. So we're going to kind of skip over this, but we did get two games played and, and they were fun, asymmetric for sure. But, but, but they were a blast. Okay, so we're saving it. Uh, saving next it. up is Visions of Madness. Have the gods gone silent on us, Josh? It's been quiet. It's been quiet. We didn't get, you know, I had, I had expected to get Atoma Champions 2021, and we did not. So oh that was God. surprising. But I wasn't even. I forgot about Toma Champions with all the Red Harvest excitement. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you know, so we did get Red Harvest. So you know, maybe that's fine. But you know, I thought they might compile you know the, the different rule sets or the different uh, war bands that they had released throughout the year um you know and, and who knows maybe it's logistics maybe it's you know pandemic sort of related stuff or, or maybe something else is going to be coming but definitely curious to, to see what else we'll get this year 
Yeah, not a peep out of Warcry since Red Harvest. Right. Curious. Curious. You know what I mean? You know, Tempting Con's coming up. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to start speculating wildly. I wonder if, because Age of Sigmar is obviously behind and they've tied the narrative of these games closely together. I wonder Mm -hmm. if they have to sit on Warcry stuff because they're behind in Age of Sigmar. That's possible. Like there's a huge Chaos Duradin release in Sigmar coming up, but it's like all spoiled in the next Warcry book. So they just got to like, yeah, they got to keep us in wait. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we can hope. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully we'll get some teasers at least, you know, over the next several months of conventions coming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, can't wait. All right. So in the meantime, We'll jump to our circle of paint challenge. And we kind of covered that a little bit. I have a lot, a lot of painting to do. Uh, super excited about the models and, and just need to, again, stop fretting about the color scheme and start slapping some paint on them to see how it looks. I have not thought about which monster I might like to use, although I still have my Chimera assembled that I would love to get painted and use. So that, uh, that's probably going to be on the docket. But uh, Pavin, were you, uh, you know, did you have something in mind that you were going to add? Yeah, well, I have some complaints here. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, the circle of pain challenge. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, the, the models are great. Uh, they are a little finicky. Like, I definitely broke a few, and they kind of stayed broke. Not huge, but like little, like little ends of whips and small claws here and there. Um, it's a very uh, fragile uh, kit. Uh, buyer beware. Still great, great sculpts, great models. Um, I'm also going to complain about my chaos painting scheme. It's just hard to get to look right. Like it's mostly browns and grays and off whites, like very boring miniature scheme. And then like a dark purple, which doesn't do enough work. And so I have to work in a lighter color for the signs of the flame. I worked in flame color and that worked really well. But most things in the chaos range do not are not covered in fire. Um, to to my disappointment so i was like trying to figure out what to do with the spiders i uh i just started painting uh painting just all the spider bits in like kind of the same flame scheme or the same flame colors as i was painting my uh scions flames like regular flames but it just it didn't look good it looked bad so i kind of went to close to the studio scheme where I uh, I painted their skin like a very like light purple or just gave their skin like a purple purple tint to it to make them seem like a little weird. And then I painted all of the spider, either real spiders or spider masks or spider claws, a bright yellow with kind of dark brown kind of uh, claws and like bodies. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that worked out OK. I think, the, you know, purple and, and yellow balance, especially because it's like an off purple and a bright yellow. So I think they look I think they look good, especially from three feet, but not my best stuff. And Josh, I'm wondering, yeah, I don't know. What are the rules? You tell me what the rules of the circle of paint challenge is it. Do I have to submit my tarantulas brood or can I submit a different war band? <laughs> I certainly feel and I painted them in the same time range. I certainly feel like my um, Gyran Guard Thunderstrike Stormcast are a much stronger contender. Huh. And I kind of for a monster want to paint a dragon. But gotcha. if that's not allowed, I will I will, you know, abide by the challenge. 
Well, you know, that, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I love it. that You've got two more bands painted at the time it takes me to paint one. <laughs> but, well, technically, um, <laughs> I think, you know, we, we had just said, you know, people wanted to see both of the war bands from the box set painted up. And, you know, you've done that. So I think as long as you present that as well, why not? Yeah, well, we can pit your, your favorite war band against mine and, and see what the, the voters feel, you know. I'm, okay. I'm fine with that, yeah. All right. Well, it gives me more flexibility about what monster I want to paint. Yeah. Well, really you know, and you're feeling more into it. You like, yeah. you know, no, I definitely want you to feel comfortable presenting the work you're proud of the most. You know, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I, it, you know, before, you know, I start getting tweeted uh, that I'm like just chasing the Stormcast Dragon meta. Um, <laughs> one, how dare you? And two, uh, I'm a huge. It's more of like a huge Dragonlance nostalgia. I don't know if I yes. read any of those books back in. Uh, oh you know, yeah, at least when I was in uh, elementary, middle school. But like Legend yeah. of Huma, like riding yeah. the the uh, uh, the metallic yeah, the dragons with the big yes. dragon lances. Oh man, I just kind of want one. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, they definitely look like they took inspiration from the the cover of you know yeah. Legend of Huma. Yeah, and I don't care what anybody says. People say swords are better. I don't care. You uh, you put the lances on those guys. <laughs> I know it's true with all knights, right? You know, it's like, oh, they look so good with the lances. Sometimes the melee weapons are better. You yeah. Go with the look. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. No, that would be really neat to see painted out for sure. All right. So with that, we're going to jump into our victory condition. And as we mentioned in this episode, we're going to discuss the current progress in our More Kills campaign. And we're going to do a deep dive into the Thunderstrike Stormcast Warband. And Paven's going to share his thoughts on composition and his favorite aspects. And I'll share my perspectives as the uh, the opponent. And we'll share some narrative thoughts about the Warband creation. Paven, did you want to kick us off with the background of the War of Morg Hills? So, yeah, I'll tell you. Um, what is the War for? War of the Moruk Hills. So it kind of sounds like Moruk Hills, uh, which, is, uh, which is correct because it's full of orcs. Um, and this is a two-person narrative campaign where you play a series of battles linked together as a part of like an ongoing narrative. And so one uh, person, one party, takes control of the the cruel boys of Kilaboth Gazag, and the other player takes the role of the Stormcast under, oh, I already forgot his name, the, my gay guy, Tiberian Vrost. And and so, yeah, there's special rules for how the games link together and how you choose your warbands. Um, and it's a great way of like getting a good few hours of Warcry, either over one or two days before it. Like we jump into the background and the story behind it. Um, this Warcry campaign takes place after the events of the Dominion box set, mm-hmm. or at least maybe the events of the starter set. Yeah. Like. Um, it says the in the aftermath of the Battle of Amberstone Watch. Do you know about the Battle of Amberstone Watch? Because I don't. Um, no, no, I have not read the booklet that came with the Dominion box set. So that was one you, thing I hoped have, to do. You have the booklet, though, right? I do. Yes, uh, I do have the booklet. All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll, uh, maybe Josh will read it. Maybe uh, and then we'll tell you next time. Exactly. I suspect um, the Cruel Boys destroyed Amberstone Watch, and then the Stormcast came and drove them away. I heard. I don't know if this is related, but it's a cool idea that at least in the Stormcast Eternals battle tome that there was a plan. I don't know if this was related of the cruel boys poisoning enough of the land 
around Excelsis that the continent of Thondia will just shoot it off the edge. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that was what they were trying to do at Amberstone Watch or not. But yeah, so after that, after there's been some great battles between the Stormcast and the Cruel Boys, um, now there is like kind of the follow-up fights uh, that are taking place at the scrimmage uh, level as both forces regroup and try to um, like, you know, take out the other force. Josh, is there anything you want to add there? No, that's great. Great overview. And uh, and again, like some of the rules that uh, are guidelines that this particular campaign set has there there are four battles there are three three different locations there's there's a final battle and it's interesting because if if one player wins two of the two out of the three battles it automatically progresses to the final battle but if uh, each person wins one game then you play the third and then you go to the final battle so that's why it's kind of a three to four uh game uh campaign so it's, it's fun though because each uh, victory of each battle will give you a certain ability or weapon to use in the final battle where you get all the leaders together and, and it's the, you know, the main throwdown. So that'll be interesting to play out when we get a chance. Yeah. And what, another thing that I think is really cool, and I don't know if you mentioned this already, was that a lot of these battles have the opportunity to be asymmetrical in that mm-hmm. um, not only are the, the victory conditions, which is are often in Warcry, like slightly different for each person. Uh, each opponent, but the number of points you have, you'll be working with may be different because the way battles are selected. Well, you first you get every uh, player has three war bands. Technically they're working with each led by a different com- character from the dominion box, which are uh, doing different forces and are scouting different areas around Amberstone watch. Um, so for the Ulrich lions, which is a storm host within Am I doing? I don't know if I have the right one. Yeah, of the hammers yeah, of Storm host within the hammers of Stigmar. There is a, the group led by Tiberian Vrost, who is the Lord Imperaton, and he leads the greatest force of twelve hundred points. And then you have uh, the Gale's Eye, who is a Knight Arcanum, and she is leading a warband of a thousand points, so standard size. And then the smallest is led by Cynthian Cynthian Demar. Uh, who's a knight Vaxilar with the banner of apotheosis, who's leading a small warband of 900. And uh, Josh, you want to go over like what uh, what you're working with on the cruel boy side? Yes, definitely. With Gazog's boys, we also have three detachments. We've got Gazog himself, a killabas on Nashtooth, who's leading, again, the largest group, the 1,300 points. Wazgag, a swamp kala shaman, is leading 1,000 points. And Brokagak, killabas, leading a force of 800 points. And as, as Paven mentioned, the three different locations you're kind of playing over are the ruins of Hardoon, Strangler's Marsh, and White Rush Strongpoint. And each player secretly notes down which warband is at which location. And then when a person, you know, we roll initiative, the person chooses a location, then you reveal which warbands are at that location. So you could have, you have varying points, and then depending on who chose that battlefield, there are three uh, different um victory conditions and twists that you roll for. And it kind of tells you who's the defender or the attacker in some cases. So yeah, it can be, it can be very uh, disparate uh, sized warbands as well as the victory conditions or deployments or whatever. So it makes for very unique and uh, kind of more realistic battles where you kind of like, they show up at that location and you're like, oh, huh, this is going to be interesting. How do I manage this? How do, how do I tackle this situation? So I think that aspect is really neat. 
Yeah, and Josh mentioned each of those when you win one of these first one of these one uh, first three games, two to three games, you get a uh, a reward. Uh, the rewards are one is an artifact, one is additional wild dice in the last game, and then one is uh, you get to deploy one of your battle growths from reserve immediately uh, in the final game. So pretty good. Yeah. Um, before we get into our first game, Josh, how are you thinking about who you sent to each of these? Uh, like which war bands you sent to each of these locations? Yeah, so I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I didn't think too deeply about, you know, and the rule said it suggests maybe looking at the rewards, deciding who you want to send there, depending on how badly you want that reward, and then maybe guessing where your opponent's sending their different size forces. But I kind of went with the theme, like, I'm going to send the Swamp Kala to the Swamp, because, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> so hopefully he'll get good yeah. luck there or something like that. And then I sent the... Um, the Killaboss to the White Rush strong point, or uh, not not the not the Killaboss, but Gazog himself. And uh, I figured I'd send Killaboss to the ruins. So I just kind of spread it out that way. But the, the main decider for me was the Swamp Kala had to go to the swamp. How about yourself, Paven? <laughs> good, what kind good of strategy making? I tried way harder. Um, so first, <laughs> I was like, okay, which ones do I think Josh thinks are the most important? Because ideally, what you want to set up is you want to have an advantage in two out of three games. And so I was like, all right, whatever Josh thinks is the most important one, I'll send my weakest group. And then whatever he thinks the second most important is, I'll send my strongest group. And third most important, I'll send my second strongest. Like That's kind of like the way you go. However, I didn't know if he would think that the, the, uh, the rewards are equivalent to the way I value the rewards. For example, in the Strangler's Marsh, uh, during the final battle of the campaign, once both warbands are deployed, the victor of this location can pick one of their battle groups in reserve and deploy them immediately. That is super important for a slow butt stormcast warband that pretty much moves four inches across the board. That is like, I don't have any way of speeding that up. And so be, being able to deploy a, a battle group like straight on really like helps me stay in the game. So mm-hmm. in the end, that I just rank them one, two, three, according to how good I thought they were. So I put my strongest into the marsh where I really wanted that extra deployment. Uh, my second strongest for the artifact in the ruins of Hardoon. And then the third strongest into White Rush Strongpoint, which I thought the wild dice, while still being super valuable, were probably the, the least tactically valuable to me. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. So like I, th- I think that that's, that sets the table pretty well. Josh, is there anything you wanted to add here? No, no, I think that's perfect. And I, I think... Uh, we, we kind of randomly decided which terrain we wanted to start with first. I kind of set up my swamp board first and we're like, sure, we'll start there. So that's, that's kind of the battle we ended up doing. Well, actually, um, I think we rolled off and I chose the swamp in particular. Oh, you, okay. Had, Instead I of the yeah, right ruins. Okay. But like, I really appreciate you bringing your swamp board because it looks so good. And it's like, it was a marsh and we had a swamp board. So that was, was really dope. So Pave got to roll the dice for this particular mission uh, at Strangler's Marsh. And we ended up with the sudden death victory condition, which uh, had two objectives. And as soon as he controlled both of them, the game would end. It was only three turns anyway, so there wasn't a whole lot of time to do it. And our twist was deluge. So it was pouring rain in the swamp, which unfortunately for me kind of negated all my shooting. That was over <laughs> anything over six inches. <laughs> so, but mm-hmm. but uh, so I had to rush the objectives. And, and, uh, and in this particular case, deployment kind of favored Paven's force. I was further out and, and trying to rush in to keep him from, from grabbing the uh, the objectives too quickly. Got anything to add to that right now, Pave? 
Yeah. Um, so I did have a 200 point advantage in this game. So I took my I took Tiberian Voices Roast uh, Warband. Uh, and I think I was going against a Swamp Collar Shaman. So I had about 200 extra points. Um, so I felt good going into the game. I was nervous because I think it's sudden death on either end. If any time both uh, players control the objective, true, the game ends immediately. And I was very nervous that you just had more bodies than me. Approval is way, way cheaper than Stormcast. I'm worried you're just going to outbody me on the objectives. And like, I, you know, I, I would just lose immediately. And yeah, I think the long game I was confident in, it was just like, where you're going to put a bunch of Hobgrats and just swarm, swarm the tokens. So I was, I was, I was still like, I knew I couldn't take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at least your your models are very tough and resilient, and you know. So, like you said, try mm-hmm. to swarm the objectives. I was just a little bit too far away to to do it effectively, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, and then of course the difference in expertise and toughness started to show in the first couple of rounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Josh, how did you how did you play the first the first couple of rounds? Um, so initially, well, you you had some uh, a good deployment, and of course you had. Um, one Griffhound, so you had one very fast model. Um, That's true. You know, and um, and it has a nice ability where it can do an additional attack and and then also fall back. So I, I knew I had to get to. Um, you started on one of the objectives and with your leader and, and a whole bunch yep. of guys. So I knew that one was in trouble. So I tried to rush the second objective, and at least um, control it and then contest it as much as I could, um, while trying to whittle down some models that you're going to be able to reinforce and potentially take it. Uh, at the same time, I was hoping I could draw you further to that one and then move my, you know, the additional forces to the primary objective where your leader was to contest that one to kind of keep you from winning it. Um, and and it, it started to work a little bit, but but the attrition was starting to get me and you were able to take models down more quickly than I could. And uh, and then you just started outnumbering me. So, yeah, I mean, that's not, yeah, that's definitely how the battle lot you did. You did have like a couple hot grots kind of skirting around the edge yep. and like. That what a nightmare because I had to like if I I could I sent the model after them which was probably a mistake because it's a mo- one less model on the objective mm-hmm. and I'm slow and probably that one model is more expensive than those two hopgrots. Oh yeah. Um. So I think that was a good tactic for you. I still you weren't you still weren't able to get quite like on turn one enough to like contest my home objective. Right. Um, but we ended up being like fifty fifty or maybe you won ahead on the other objective and I just pretty much just ran guys over there to get them in position and just hoped they could like weather like all the attacks coming back, mm-hmm. which I think they did except for the annihilator who I threw at your main force to try to pin you in a corner. Yep. And he has toughness seven and 20 wounds. So I thought he would hang on, but you got it. Everything dies in war cry. And so you, you just got to roll, you know, so much damage than crits anyway. Uh, so I think you just blew him up with a combination of your swamp caller and, your um what's the, the the bolt the bolt boy man skewer bolt boy yeah yeah, yeah we're able to just chew through and, those and some spears yeah they took a bit of effort because that that toughness stuff and he's like well i need five and sixes regardless yeah, <laughs> yeah but you got you had the hot dice so yeah you yep. took them down but I, I i was i was on both objectives and then i think on turn two i was in range of everything so i could just start you know double attacking your stuff and taking yep. it down and the the praetors do a ton of work they're really strong they're strength five three attacks range two damage two five i think yeah um, so really great profile and the lord imperitant has like a really strong triple 
where you get half the value of ability. Um, you choose that many models and they can take a free attack or movement action. Yeah, very um, nice. So very good, especially on very strong attacks like Praetors. Um, so it helps getting people in a position, get extra attacks, like surprise activations. And so you, with those uh, with those characters, I was able to like remove like, enough of your stuff that I could just well, attrition you down from there. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which is to expect that I had 200 more points than you. Oh, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, so and I, I was know. hoping I, to. I, so I took the first game. Uh, I don't know anything else you want to add, Josh. No, I was going to say, you know, I was kind of hoping to outrange you with the two-inch range on spears, but the Praetors had two inches too. So yeah, it didn't turn out in my favor in that case. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to know that my tryharding in like <laughs> sourcing for models uh, worked out. <laughs> yeah, the second game was just as fun. Uh, we played at the White Rush Strong Point, and uh, in this particular location, as Paven mentioned, he had his eight hundred point force. And I had Gazog and 1,300 points. So there was a quite Oof. a disparate point value here. I didn't think this game was as much fun. Yeah, it was too, It was fat. Yeah, it was over in the first turn, which was, you know, so it was it was less interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, and, well, um, also I lost. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was like, it was, in a, it was an objective holding game where I had to defend, like, all of the objectives. And I think I started with one model on the board. Um, yes. And so you're like five. <laughs> and so you immediately grabbed out all the objectives out from under me, like, bur- like burned one. Well, you had I- the one. I grabbed the other two. There were three. Yeah, and right, scorched right, earth. Right, right. So you got the burn one that you controlled. Yeah. yeah there was which... like, it, it, like, after the first term, it became mathematically impossible for me to win. Uh, right. Because it was good. My boys hung on. I killed a couple orcs. Uh, you killed most of my guys. That uh, Gazog is terrifying on the on the table i it's truly purely from a, like a visual perspective he's huge yes. <laughs> he's like huge like way bigger than everything else uh he's got a ton of wounds does some attacks but uh, yeah he only got their attack yeah. once but you're right the model is extremely intimidating <laughs> sitting mm-hmm. <on>. yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's a great model um are, are you intending on painting these guys like eventually or uh you know, like, you know you i had really wanted to and I, and I had thought maybe i'd use them in one of our local leagues you know so I'd, i would like to get them painted up and try okay. them out in a local league that'd be fun yeah yeah because they're great they're really really great sculpts and all of them are really cool yeah so i was curious um yeah that's why i kind of started printing out uh, hollow bases to make swamp bases um, and you know, and then I was like, "Oh, I don't have time to do all this. I got to get them on the bases so we can start playing the games." <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah, I definitely have some plans to kind of do that. It would be fun. Okay, at least have, um, then I would have a, a, a destruction warband. Would be fun to play. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see what you you're gonna do with them. Um, what I don't know, I, I guess yeah. So Josh won this game for sure, big time. Uh, killed all my stuff, scored like a bajillion points to my one point. Um, I don't know anything you wanted to add about game two, White Rush Strong Point, the fall uh, of White Rush Strong Point. Yeah, yeah. The only the only thing is again, we had a twist, dead of night. So my shooting was completely, you know, aberrated again. What's it like? I didn't get to do much shooting at all. Had to be within three inches. And, <laughs> and it was unfortunate because the bolt the, the man skewer boat boys have a minimum range of three. So I had to be exactly at three to be able to shoot anything with that. I was like, ah, come on. Hopefully the next game, the twist won't uh, negate my actual ranged attack so much. But uh, but it was, it was yeah, like Paven said, it was less interesting. I was scorched earth, you know, so I just, I, you know, and the attacker gets more points for claiming an objective. So like you said, mathematically impossible for him to win after turn one. So, but we played it out to kind of see how the models would play. And, 
you know, and, and, and get some sticks in each other. But you know, it was it was fun. You know, now we both have one game under our belts, and we can look forward to the third game being a, a neat decider before we go into the final battle. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. So we called it there with uh, Josh taking White Rush Strong Point and me taking uh, what the the swamp. What is it called? Strangler's yep. Marsh. Uh, yeah, and we are. Yeah, I don't know. We got to play. We're gonna play one more game the, in the ruins of Hardoon, and we'll talk about that game next. Then we're gonna play the decisive battle after that. I'm feeling pretty good because I have a another uh, two hundred point. point or one hundred point advantage for the next game. Yeah, you got a thousand uh, to my eight hundred. I think thousand to your eight hundred. Yeah, so I should. You know, I have. I have a. You know, I that's a that's an advantage, and so coming in two out of three, it's a little of advantage there. Feeling good about the decisive battle, but it can go either way. Josh, you are a, a, a wily opponent. Uh, we'll see <laughs> if whether the Stormcast are able to prevail. Uh, <laughs> and, what, and what is cool about the final battle is depending on who wins the two games, it either takes place at the foot of the Morak Hills where the Stormcast are trying to drive out the last of the Cruel Boys mm-hmm. or, um, you know, at Amberstone Watch where the Cruel Boys want to, like, retake over that uh, ruined uh, fortress. And like yeah. There. yeah, definitely. And, you know, since we're kind of moving into final thoughts of, of where we're at right now, I, I really like the the narrative campaigns that they put out, you know, for the Curse City for this. You know, they're very flavorful. And I, and I like that the battles in this particular campaign uh, have an effect. You know, there's, there's an impact. You get a certain benefit. You kind of move into the final battle with, you know, um, you know, the spoils of your victories. And, and then it, narratively depending on who won decides the location of the final battle and i really like that how it, how you played and how the game you know ended affects the final form and mm-hmm. the campaign and, and going into that with all the models that you had all the leaders is really fun because you're like oh yeah they all in the individual warbands now we're out one location and it's a big big sprawl melee it's gonna be a lot of fun can't wait can't wait we should uh after after, after we're done podcasting we should schedule uh Look at our calendars and see when we can get it in. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Get these games under our belt. <laughs> All right. So to talk about the Thunderstrike Stormcast. And uh, like we've done previously in our Warband Deep Dives, since Paven is going to share his Warband with us, I'll be asking the questions and kind of getting his input and then adding my, my thoughts as we go along. And uh, for those of you um, who may not be familiar, uh, when the Dominion box set came out, Games Workshop posted the Morak Hills campaign um, on their website, along with the rule set for all the Cruel Boys and all the Thunderstrike Stormcast. So those are all together. You can found, be found online. And uh, and the, that's those, those are the rule sets that we're going to talk through in terms of the models and their abilities and everything else. So um, to start with, we're going to get Paven's thoughts, a general overview of this warband and your thoughts on them and, and kind of the backstory. Yeah, uh, so uh, who is Thunderstrike Stormcast? The Thunderstrike Stormcast are Grungi's miracle. Uh, after the events of Mo- a Broken Realm's Bellicor, Bellicor, the, the Dark Prince, I don't know his names, uh, was able to corrupt the skies above the realms so that they became uh, portals into the Realm of Chaos. And they called these uh, the Cursed Skies. And the effect they had is Stormcast, when slain and trying to escape back to Azir, were not able to break free of these Cursed Skies and were either stuck on 
uh, within the realms and could be captured and killed or sucked directly into the realm of chaos. So really changing uh, changing the calculus for the uh, war of Stormcast and Sigmar against chaos. However, Grungi, the smith god of the dwarves, came to the rescue and forged a new suit of armor for the Stormcast called the Thunderstrike armor. And this Thunderstrike armor allowed the Stormcast to pierce through the cursed skies and shoot back to his ear, kind of blunting this new... Uh, magical weapon on the side of chaos. Um, so uh, not uh, so now we have this new range of miniatures that look really dope. Who have a new aesthetic and design, and um, different storm cast storm hosts get um, outfitted with this new with this new uh, style of armor and can be sent to fight where other storm cast might be less um would be at a higher risk to send them there because they could be trapped there indefinitely rather than reforged Mm -hmm. um uh yeah that's the thunderstrike stormcast they're not a new chamber as other stormcast releases with a specific specialty they are kind of a new armor variant on existing archetypes um so they're all new models all new units uh, but they kind of like can slot in wherever amongst the existing Stormcast line. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Anything you want to add to the background of the Thunderstrike Stormcast? Yeah, no, uh, I like the background. And, and you know, they're kind of tied into, again, the Dominion box set and the, and the whole mm-hmm. uh, push for recolonization in Gur. So they have some, you know, more furs and stuff. And, uh, stuff and, and of course, their leaders, Andrasta, you know, the Sigmar's Huntress. Um, so, you know, a really cool model as well. Um, so they have a nice theme to them, you know, again, mm-hmm. um, my impression is, that, again, a similar kind of uh, Greek Spartan sort of armor, but different, uh, different enough that I, I really enjoyed the aesthetic of these models more than I did the, the previous Stormcast ranges. Um, so I don't know what your appearance, impressions of the models were. Yeah, I thought it was a really good redesign because it was more, yeah, it was like kind of a redesign of the Stormcast look from a designist uh, perspective. And I really like it. I thought it was very successful. They look more sleek and more athletic yep. um, and less chunky and blocky yes. like the original Stormcast did. And I think it really works for me. And I'm not necessarily a Stormcast uh, enthusiast. Uh, but I really like these models and they're really great to paint for p- new painters uh, as any good starter for should be. Take to metallics really well and to washes really well. Uh, they look really cool. Yeah, I like them a lot. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, and uh, do you want to share what drives them? Their ideas? Oh, of course, we know they are sure. uh, Sigmar. Like they are not unique if in the Stormcast for what drives them. They want to purge uh, the land from chaos and, and the forces of undeath and destruction and make it safe for civilization. So they are in line there. They don't necessarily have a specialty like the Vanguard Stormcast with like working behind enemy lines and in the wilds or the uh, Sankrasak chamber that is uh, to deal with magic and magical threats. They are kind of rank warriors, uh, you know, uh, shield and spear, kind of uh, just smashing in faces, uh, uh, except for the specialty of being able to uh, fight under cursed skies and not be dead forever. So now, kind of get a feel for the background, their goals, their motivations. You know, why don't you kind of go over some of the fighters that, that uh, you know, what profiles you like the most which models you like the most and kind of share with us why you like them and and then you know after that we'll move on to abilities sure 
I uh, okay. So what what do we what do you have access to in this Warcry Roarband? Uh, pretty much everything that's in the Thunderstrike Stormcast line outside of dragons. Uh, so you got Vindictors, which are the kind of uh, battle line uh, rank and file shield and spear warriors. Um, you have the Annihilators, who are these huge hulking like tanks of warriors that have like a shield and a hammer or a double uh or a grand hammer and they're kind of these slow prodding but uh, big smashers you have the vigilators which are um archers um and skirmishers uh, but still stormcast so they're still huge and fighty um you have the praetors which uh have a uh, each have a halberd and they are the bodyguards to stormcast heroes they have access to a Griffhound, because uh, the Griffhound is in Dominion, um, which are always really good. They're good in all the other Stormcast Warbands. I think the Griffhound is the only one that's in all of them, Yep, um, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a nice dog. And um, there's a ton of leaders. So like all of the characters, like they have the Lord of Puritan and a wizard and a priest and a, yeah, 11. a the champion. Yeah, the champion models for all of the units I mentioned. So yeah, that's kind of what you have access to. Wonderful. And uh, why don't you talk about uh, you know what abilities they've got access to? There are, there are a lot of great ones, and, and you, you mentioned a couple yeah, before. They, but... they do have some really good ones. Uh, one is the one they all have access to is if they take 15 or more damage, they can have a free attack They can um, for a double, which a free, a free attack is always really good on a double. Mm-hmm. That's uh, supposed to represent as they start coming apart and spewing lightning everywhere. Uh, they can It hurts people. My favorite one, and I think the strongest, is the leader ability on the Lord Impiritant, which, which is what I mentioned earlier, which is half the ability score in fighters can take a free move or attack action. That's super good value. It's always good when you get a free action. It's always good um, when you can get a free action on a fighter that's not activating. Um, it kind of increases, changes the calculus that you are making while you're playing and your threat ranges. Yeah. Um, and then just being able to do that on three beefy models, all the Stormcast models are expensive and tough and hit hard. No, well, they don't all hit hard, but some of them do. Um, just getting like uh, as many as three free attacks or three free moves is really strong. And it's only a triple. So I think that one is a real standout. Yeah, very effective. Yeah, I like the Griffhound's ability, the darting attack, where as a triple, it can attack and then mm-hmm. disengage as well. Yeah, that, that one is uh, in other some Stormcast uh, Warband abilities as well. Definitely fits the Griffhound and, and you can use it to good effect. Oh, yeah, another another great one. I think we've talked about that before in another Stormcast. Yeah, over yeah when the the Eric played them. Uh, where the, the darting attack, right? a triple, a free attack action, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, they also have a lot of fun abilities where uh, healing abilities like plant the banner, the reforge, where you move up the D3 damage allocated to each friendly fighter within six inches. You get to roll for each. Mm-hmm. And then there's some like area effects too where, where the Wrath of, God, of Sigmar is coming down with the quad and the leader and it can cause damage to some models in an area. Not, not particularly strong, but very thematic abilities I like. Um, there's another good one, and I don't know if it is a. Uh... Let me let me look it up. I think it's a double or a triple, and it's only on Vigilators, um, which I don't actually have any. Uh, but it's double, and it's Gilded Lightning. Yeah, guiding, guiding lightning, can, guiding lightning, guided lightning. Sorry, I'm, the the the, the font small. small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, you can use this ability after it's made a ranged attack action uh, that targeted enemy fighter until the end of the battle. Add one, the battle round. Add one to the attack's characteristics of attack actions targeting that fighter. Um, so plus one attack for everybody that targets this fighter is really strong uh, for like bringing down big stuff or leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also nice because you get it if you shoot twice, you get it on your second attack. Right. Um, so that's a way to get plus one attack at range, which is uh, pretty hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's on the uh, archers, the Stormcast archers, of which I have none. Um, but I'd like to take some. Yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of fun abilities in there. Definitely uh, fits the theme, I think, of the force, too. Is like hunters, fighters, these extra movement, extra attack uh, opportunities. It's pretty cool. Definitely. All right. So, you know, as you mentioned, there are a ton of really good leader options. Uh, and, of course, with this particular campaign, we're indicated which leader options to take. But share with us mm-hmm. what what leaders and what um, fighter models that you enjoyed the most or you think are the best and uh, and why. Um, I really like the Lord Imperitat for, it's a great model. It looks great. Uh, he's got a very sharp beard and a nice haircut, um, and a great triple. Uh, so he's my number one leader. Um, I also think, uh, the Vigilor, it's actually not Vigilator, it's Vigilor. Uh, but the Vigilor Prime is also very strong. He has access to that, you know, plus one attack ability. And he's got three attacks at range, strength four, twos and fours. And movement five. So the Vigilers, I think, are pretty strong mm-hmm. uh, generally. So I think that that would be my second as far as leaders go. Um, my favorite fighters, uh, the Praetor, I talked about uh, strength five, three attacks, two inch range, two five damage profile. Super, super good. I think that's really great value. Uh, the Griffhound's super good. It's like your fastest option at movement six. And movement's really important in Warcry. So it's good to have one or more of those. Yeah, and so those I think those are all my favorite fighters. Um, there are, I mean, there's a lot of mod, like annihilators look really cool. Uh, Toughness seven is ridiculous. <laughs> You'll never get really good value out of it. Like, it's like three more toughness than you need, uh, but it's still cool to have. Uh, it's I think the highest in the game. Toughness seven. Yeah, um, they, and I think annihilators with grand hammers I think are also right. pretty good. How many? Yeah, three attacks, strength six, three, five damage. That's also really good. Yeah. Um, so if I had some of those, I would use some of those too, but I don't. Yeah, the models are, uh, you know, they, they tend to be expensive points-wise, but but you get some really good um, stats for them. You know, most of them, or I think all of them are strength four. Many are strength five or six, depending on what weapons. They all, you know, they're, and you have a nice range of you know, the, the archers, the vigilors have movement five. The griffhound is obviously an eight. But the annihilators are three, and everybody else is four. So you got a nice range of movement as well, you know, to stout and, and, and more um, agile fighters. A mix of range and a lot of range two melee as well as range one melee. So a lot of good variety to choose from here tactically. And, uh, you know, can't go wrong with these guys. They definitely did a good job, I think, making the stats list. So Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't see any... You know, I see a lot of good stats. I don't see a lot of ridiculous Exactly. Stats. Yeah, and, and there's not really any weak I think it seems like a well-balanced warband. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's useless. You know, everybody's got their place. And uh, like you said, nothing's overpowered, I don't think. Yeah, nothing's ridiculous. Awesome. Uh, and, you know, of course, you, you talked a little bit about this before, but in terms of uh, allies or monsters that you might take with this force... What, what you... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I want to take a dragon. Uh, I don't. There's no rules for dragons. In I know. Uh, that would be cool. Like take one that doesn't have a rider on mm-hmm. it. 
or um, something like that, or, or like use a kind of Krondus for the other one uh, to, to represent some other dragon in the eight points. I think that would be really cool if they made that a challenge battle. Um, otherwise, I think the only order monsters, I think it's still the Charybdis and the Hydra. Am I crazy? Yeah, the, yeah, the Charybdis and the Hydra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling either of those for uh, Stormcast. Yeah, you know, I really wish they would come out. I mean, I I understand the rationale of not wanting to put out rules for uh, the monsters that they can't sell in an individual box. You know, like okay, you know, the Stormcast are writing all sorts of interesting creatures. You know, Dracoliths, you know, Palidors, and you know the cat things. I can't remember what they're called. It would be it would be awesome to have stats to have one of those as a monster or an ally, but you know. They don't. They, you can't get them separately. You have to buy the box that you know comes with the model that is writing it as well. But it would be really cool to see some yeah. rules for those, so that you could use them individually like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be really yeah. If you yeah, I I don't know why they don't do that. I feel like they should because you can easily build all of those things. Yeah, yeah. like a Stegadon or any of the other order monsters without um, without a writer mm-hmm. or like magnetize it or whatever. Um, but that seems to be a design choice they don't want to make. Because it would give the, uh, I mean, the order is already limited where you can't have thralls of any sort where all the other factions can. And, you you know, mm-hmm. you're limited to two monsters. So it'd be nice to have more variety for them to take different things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me take my dragon. Fly my dragon around the A-point. <laughs> we'll put that out there. Suggestions. Please put out some rules for this. Uh, so you kind of covered a little bit of the models and their abilities. You know, you want to tell us that you kind of, again, mentioned a little bit of what your narrative is for your warband. But if you'd like to share that with us, go a little bit deeper in terms of how you envision these models and and what you've done with them. Yeah, so I don't have a huge sprawling narrative for this warband. I'm currently playing them as the Lions of Sigmar as we try to defend uh, Amberwatch Hold or Amberwatch Point. I forgot what it's called already. Uh yeah, but so that so then they're they're currently uh, hammers of Sigmar. But right now, but the warband's painted as Gyran Guard, which is a very not often written about storm host that uh, resides within the living city in the the realm of life, and they have the Oaken Spire is their storm keep. Um, and there's not a lot not we know about them. Um, apparently, they were mostly taken from or entirely taken from a single tribe within Gyran, and they have a special hatred for the forces of Nurgle. I think, uh, yeah, so I don't, I, besides just generally painting Gyran Guard, I don't have a ton of there. I haven't played a ton of games with these guys. I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're in the eight points uh, until I take them on a work guy campaign there for some uh, mission for um, combo, combo mission between Sigmar and Alariel. I don't know. What I'm thinking about doing is like having a combination of like really fresh kind of like newly forged Stormcast and then some more weathered uh, kind of uh, Stormcast that more use their ancestry from uh, Gairan to enhance to like kind of hold on to their former lives. So I'm thinking about doing at least uh, for my second uh, unit of uh, Vindictors, kind of kit bashing them with a lot of Sylvaneth bits. Or not a lot, just some different spear tips, uh, different banners, uh, maybe like tattoos or trinkets to kind of like make them stand out and be a little bit more different and more tied to Gyran. That's not a, that's not, that's not a deep narrative hook, but that's just kind of uh, what this where this force is right. currently. Yeah, no, it's cool. No, it's still nice. And, and the color scheme is really nice, too. I enjoy that. So it turned out well. Oh, thanks. You know, based on the background, these models and, and their aesthetics, what other narrative takes or modeling opportunities uh, do you 
envision could be done with these? Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool ideas and I was going to throw some ideas I, I had. So I think one thing is want to ask is like, why are they in Thunderstrike armor? Like, why were they chosen to wear it? Um, had they like died and were reforged and put in the armor specifically? Are they like veterans that were given the newest stuff? Are they on a quest in the eight points to try to recover like lost Stormcast? Um, if you remember, uh, one of the Mortal Realms podcasts on Broken Realms Morathi, a storm host was betrayed by the daughters of Cain, and a num- and a ton of stormcasts were like captured within chaos altars, and so they couldn't be refor- reforged. Uh, so maybe your warband is like donning the Thunderstrike armor, so they maybe can escape the or have an opportunity to escape the eight points if they do die, and they're on a rescue mission to rescue the souls of those stormcast. That could be cool. Maybe uh, everybody was reforged, uh, was killed and was reforged and they're back to take down a specific enemy that like killed them all the first. Aesthetically, I like really like dirty and beat up Stormcast. I, I guess I like that. I don't paint my guys that way, but I like <laughs> that. Like, I'd have been like surviving in the eight points for decades. Uh, what would that look like? You know, what would it take for a Stormcast to survive that long and remain pure of heart? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. And the and the last idea is probably the most out the wall is like stormcasts don't fall to chaos. That's not that's not something they do, but they could still be like chaos adjacent. And what I mean is like uh sometimes you don't choose the chaos gods, they choose you. <laughs> so what what would happen if like corn was like really into some like a group of stormcasts and was like always tempting them and they were always resisting and remaining like pious and loyal but they like always felt the blood rage or were like you know slowly like doing weird stuff like decorating their armor with like a war paint but maybe it's blood and like maybe it's something they used to do when they were you know human or maybe it's not um like what would they do is they like try to like uh, navigate that kind of constant temptation by one of the gods as they like you know toy with the storm cast as the god of chaos do um, that could be a cool modeling and narrative hook, especially if the storm, if your if your warband is in the eight points, um, you know, point of, uh, of lots of corruption. Like, what would they, you know, what would that look like? Yeah. yeah, especially with all the abilities that focus on extra attacks or movement, or you know, it kind of fits that theme actually a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just had one idea to kind of add to that. Uh, you know, obviously, the Dominion box set kind of focuses the new push in Gur. I think the models being, you know, led by the Huntress, uh, you know, certainly lend themselves to that where you could add additional furs and make them, you know, one of the human uh, factions that originated in GERD. Maybe they're back there, again, either for revenge or to kind of push back the natural primal feel of the realm and, and help humans survive there. But uh, I, thought, I thought that would be kind of a fun take on them is making them more, um, not animalistic, but, you know, maybe more. Uh, war paint and you know more furs you know that'll make them more like indigenous looking to to gur yeah yeah uh, yeah it's a great idea and you could you know uh, kind of uh, are the astral templars the uh the storm host that is like most yeah related I, to i gur. can't remember the name but there's definitely one that originates from there and then that may or may not be the astral templars and uh yeah and you could use like extra bits from the uh, the chamber that has all the furs on it. I forget. Yeah, the Vanguard, forgot. I think. Uh, Vanguard chamber. Yeah, you could use those bits and like and, and accentuate mm-hmm. that uh, that like in the wilds feel to them. Definitely awesome. Uh, any final thoughts on this warband and 
why people might be drawn to it or want to play with them? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah, they, uh, I like it, the model range, and you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that they're more athletic looking, less bulky, and you know, like you said, I'm not a huge, didn't have a huge interest in playing Stormcast, but but these this model range definitely piqued my interest because I was like, oh, I, I like how these models look. They look more human, um, less less like trucks or something. And uh, they have a fun play style, so it was kind of fun to see you play them and play against them and get a feel for how they go. I think they'd be a fun warband. Yeah. Actually, I will take a shot of that question. Um, if you have Dominion and you want to play with cool models and you want to play like uh, like kind of have a balanced Warcry experience, I think they're great. And yeah, they, they paint up quick. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about this more in like the next episode, but we'll... I think the War from War Kills is actually a really good way to play Warcry if you haven't played it before. And like you only need like if you are if you already have Dominion and then you only like need to pick up the core rules um, and then you can just go go crazy. Uh, and because it's two two really fun warbands. Yeah, definitely. More than you have more than two uh, two warbands. Yeah. And, and lest you worry, next time uh, when we cover the remaining battles, more kills, we'll cover the crew boys warband. So, you know, we'll get the the opposite perspective here. Um, in our next podcast. For now, we're going to jump right into our listener question. All right. So we had four listeners uh, put together some questions for us. And uh, we had told them what we were going to be talking about tonight. So they, they have some thematically um, related questions and, and some uh, other questions regarding Warcry. So we'll jump right in with Phantom01. Uh, their question is, I would like to know your thoughts on if some units need a nerf to balance out things. For example, the contorted epitome 20 inch movement double move with a triple to lock down any unit for the turn. Um, and for those for unfamiliar, the contorted epitome is a slaneshi mirror that they can use in the game. And it can be quite potent for controlling certain models, much like the Mind Stealer Spheranx has an ability which can lock down a model for a turn. So, Paven, what is your initial thoughts on that? Um, I don't have any specific complaints about the contorted epitome i've actually never played with it or against it but i do have a general complaint in that i think they've gone too far with allowing like big stuff into regular warbands like i i don't think they i think they should have drawn the line at calvary i don't think there should be any calvary in Warcry. i think there should just be like foot guys and like some small like beasts and that's it and so the contorted epitome definitely too big uh, to be in Warcry. It's like, it's supposed to be for f- small scrubs scrapping it out. So, yeah, I don't have any complaints about the controlled episode. I don't think I have any particular complaints about anything in the game, but we certainly don't have too competitive of a local meta. So I wouldn't know what things are too good. <laughs> Although I heard the spiders are too good, as in they're too well-costed for what they do. I think they're like 35 points. Yeah, I think if you yeah. take take you know anything that's good too many times it can be you know nasty you know just like the snakes and the spider yeah. fang and if you take tons and tons of spiders yeah they could be a little abusive but and my general thoughts are you know again i've not played against it uh, i've seen some lists on the web about very powerful war bands which included um but I, I i do think that we have so many more models added to the range that uh, it wouldn't hurt to take a look at you know rebalancing points or abilities or you know, other things, um, you know, especially if they if they do move to some sort of 2.0 rule set, 
But I, I definitely think taking another look at the models, making sure everything's still where they want it, is not a bad thing. You know, maybe they tweak a few of the abilities of the contorted epitome. Maybe, I don't know if it's an ally or if it's included in the warband. I'm not that familiar with it, but I'm sure that, you know, they could probably do a little bit of tweaking. Yeah. I think the contorted epitone is OP. Just reading the rules right now. Oh, yeah. A triple that just like says you don't get to activate anymore is crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. And yeah. it's got like really good stats. It's got really high movement, tons of wounds, a great attacks. Scouts uh, yeah, is flying, like I very, think. Two, two, yeah, 250 is, well, it's not flying as far as I can tell. But still, 250 per point seems like a really good price for it. Uh, but yeah, uh, what I would do to change Warcry, probably from a balance perspective, is they got to take a look at some abilities. Some abilities are too good. They probably have to up cost the cheapest stuff. Like, I think a body is almost always worth more than 35 points. Um, so they probably need to make all those things more expensive or put a different limit on the number of guys you can have. And mm-hmm. they should like take down the ceiling too. So like the biggest stuff, the biggest, strongest stuff, I don't even want in here. Like all of the large cavalry or even the medium cavalry, all the huge hulking stuff. Like storm vermin is probably too big for war cry. Like regular. Uh, what like that? ogres though. Rat ogres are okay. Storm vermin too much. <laughs> <laughs> they can be nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a, yeah. Those are my those are my thoughts on balancing. Yeah, I mean, I think the game probably needs a balance pass. Just never had one, but that's not really how I play the game. So it's not right. on my high of my list of priorities. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, our next uh, couple of questions come from Thundercake. Uh, his first question is: Did the campaign feel like a narrative good fit, or did it seem like a quick skin on top of the Dominion model release? What are your thoughts? It felt good to me so far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel the you know the backstory they provided, the rationale for the different locations, the the benefit you get from winning the battles at the location, how it affects the final battle. I, I like all of it. It's very uh, progressive. It's got a nice story element to it. Uh, I'm happy with it so far. And uh, he asked next, how did the quality experience of that campaign compare to other Warcry campaigns? And you know, we haven't tried them yet. At least I have not. Um, so I'm not sure how it compares. Uh, I would definitely like to try the Curse City campaign. That's more like a Mordheim treasure hunting sort of scenario. So that'd be fun, it, but a very different feel, I think. What do you think, Paven? Yeah, uh, similar. Yeah, I guess I hadn't planned any like uh, played any other specific campaigns besides like the local camp, like you know, league right. campaign games. Um, so yeah, I don't know how it compares, but so far it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Our next listener is Severe. Uh, he asks, now that there are four different Stormcast warbands, does it make sense to have four different warbands that pull from the same AOS army? Should they stay separate or should the best or should they be consolidated? What do you think, Josh? I think um I mean I think it's okay to have four different warbands. Uh, I think the the models in those warbands do play differently and they are the abilities are thematic for that I want to say chapter, but that's not the right word. Uh, order a chamber uh, storm host chamber thank you chamber is the word i was looking for and, and so and i think that's that's kind of a fun way to add more variety to that particular faction you know it's just kind of like cities of sigmar where you have uh very similar models but you can have essentially five different types of forces and i think that's okay i think it i think it definitely lends to more diversity and interest but yeah you could certainly have if you had them all in one big army, it would be really hard to have abilities that focus on particular themes or models. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. The only thing is that it would be really cool to take a a warband that had representation from all the chambers because that's sure. likely how a you know a crack team would work. You would have like the one wizard uh, from the sacrosanct chamber, the one hunter from the vanguard chamber, maybe uh, you know a thunderstrike guy because he's not actually a different chamber. They're not a different force they're you know just a different set of armor which is weird but that would be hard to get thematic rules for all of them unless you Mm -hmm. got like really creative Um, yeah i guess you could do a little bit of that with the allies but it has to be a leader model and you know you could have you know three at the most you know but yeah it'd be nice to have that mix and match of the the regular warriors with that warband yeah sometimes i wish they had kind of sometimes you i think this was the right choice to open up war cry to like all like all the miniatures but Mm -hmm. i kind of like you know, Warcry week one, where it was just like a few war bands with a few models in those war bands. Like that, that focus felt really cool. Um, they could have like kept it small, mm-hmm. maybe like, you know, just having a few models out of each chamber rather than every model from like every chamber. <laughs> All right. In our last um, several questions are from Darth Alec. Uh, his first question is, how do you feel the plethora of two dice attacker works, two dice attackers work in Warcry? I think this is, again, kind of, you know, there are models that have um, plentiful attacks, usually two or three. They tend to be kind of mid-range, cheaper fighters. And, uh, you know, how does that impact the game? What do you think? Uh, I don't like them. I don't like two, two dice attacks. It's too easy to whiff and it doesn't feel satisfying. I don't, yeah, I don't like the two dice tag. Unless you're just a real scrub, like a goblin with a spear. But if you're Stormcast with a spear, which they, the Vindictors are having two dice for attacks or the Annihilator with a hammer, uh, does not feel like how you would feel, how strong you think they should be. So they hit hard, though. Like two fives? You know, it's not like a 1-3 or a 1-4. Yeah, it's definitely like okay damage, but still, like just two attacks. It's just like you're probably doing like I expected three damage on an attack action. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they need to be there because you need a variety of models. And, you know, some of them have, you've got models with lots of attacks, but less damage. And you've got models with high damage and fewer attacks. I think it balances out a little bit more, but it can be frustrating in some cases, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I think the most egregious example is the Vargolf from Cursed City, the or the, the Bat Wolf from Cursed yep, City. Yep. Has two yep. attacks, which is ridiculous. The, the Varsaker. Offensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one feels wrong. I definitely agree. For something that's supposed to be frenzied monster kind of thing, it should yeah. definitely have more than two attacks. They hit hard, but yeah, it should be more than two attacks. I, I feel that too. His next question is, do Annihilators get any value from Toughness 7? No. Oh. <laughs> no next question. <laughs> Yeah, we, we all, you know, we've talked about many times how toughness is overpriced in Warcry. And, you know, we finally got ability in Catacombs where toughness matters. You know, if you're wrestling with someone to push them over the edge. So that that's nice. Um, in our game, you know, the crew boys had at most strength four. So toughness seven didn't matter. You know, I needed fours on four pluses anyway. But, um, you know, against other warbands where they've got strength five, strength six, and you're forcing them to roll fives and sixes, then it will feel more important, I think. But Considering most of you guys had toughness four or more anyway, I was still needing, you know, fours on some and fives and sixes on a majority anyway. Yeah, you could make up a scenario where it matters, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
right? Especially if you do monster battles, right? Yeah. Fight ogres. Monster battles, and you put them in front of a monster, it'll take the monster slightly longer to kill the annihilator. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Very, very few models in the game have strength uh, six or seven or eight. Yeah. And uh yeah so Orgroid, right so strength Orgroid, six i think a strength six yeah Orgroid, you stand up against pretty good but still in Warcry, so much of the damage is wrapped up in crits yeah um that even really you know once you're you know you're probably gonna you're di- you're dying not that much slower um right by turning like uh four ups yeah. into five ups because you still have that six available which is the crit i had to throw a lot of attacks to get yours down though so i mean but again, you know, if it was toughness five or more anyway, I'd have had to do the same thing. So Yeah, it would have been exactly the same, yeah. Right, right. Um, his next question is, does the campaign feel like it suits the lore? And uh, I think I think it does. Yeah. What are you? Yeah, I don't know the lore that well of Amberstone Watch. Um, I'll find out more for next time. Yeah, but I think it sounds <laughs> good. I mean, they're just uh, scrapping it up uh, in Gur. Uh, yeah. It feels cool. It's not like super deep. But it, you know, it gives you like good areas to play in and good, uh, you know, forces to to combat mm-hmm. each other. Excellent. This next question is: Do you recommend the campaign to anyone who has the Dominion set? And I think we already answered that question. We both mm-hmm. both think it'd be a great fit, good way to get an introductory into Warcry, the story element. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you have Dominion, it's a great way to get more value out of that box. And I know there's a ton of Dominion sets floating around. Yeah, you just need to find a copy of the core rules, which that might be the best way to get it is in the core rule book. And then, uh, you know, online, we'll have the rules for both war bands, and then all the rules for that campaign. And you can use all your stuff from Dominion and just scrap it up. Um, and it will be, it'll be quick. The, you know, the games are quick. It's Warcry. You only have to play three or four of them. So you can get it all done in an afternoon and get some like a nice narrative gaming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we haven't finished the campaign, so maybe I'll let you know uh, next time if it, maybe it sucks at the end, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, so far, so far. Yeah. I definitely recommend it as a great, uh, on ramp to Warcry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Darth Alex. Next question is do storm cast explode good. So, and I'm not sure if this is in, you know, in relation to their abilities or, you know, do they go down well with the bang of light? Uh, You know, I managed to get some down, but, you know, it it was tough, I have to say. I (laughs) interpret this question to be uh, like Stormcast and Age of Sigmar have a chance to explode when they die and do damage to the enemy. Uh, Right. So, like, are are they, like, shooting up in lightning uh, when you kill them? And that's kind of reflected in the, if they're about to die, they can, mm-hmm. take, you know, use a double to get a free attack, which is good, but it's not really exploding. Right, um, right. So I would say they don't explode good. I imagine the limitation is just the Warcry rule set, which is um, very, pretty simple. I um, mean, there's no like reaction window in Warcry. So like, there's nothing that can trigger off of somebody dying. There's no like kind of triggering mechanism. So it's hard to do like an exploding when you die mechanic. Yeah, it would be fun though. <laughs> it would. And then his last question is, is the campaign playable or fun with other war bands? What are your thoughts on that? I think definitely. You don't need to change it too much. You just need to select two different war bands and then choose kind of similar leaders for each of those war bands. And you just keep all of the prices the same and you don't have to change yeah. anything else. And like the names of like where you're fighting, if you want to fight Shaman or Shayesh or the Realm of Fire, 
Um, yeah. And you can just write your own narrative, but I think like the bones of it work really well. Like I was thinking, uh, when me, actually when me and, uh, Josh, me and you were talking about, uh, how we wanted to do this campaign and how we want to split up dominion that mm-hmm. I was, I, I was, I said, if you were go- if you really wanted to paint the Stormcast, you totally could. I was going to just try to play my iron jaws and switch the iron jaws for the Stormcast, um, and pick like a mega boss, a, weird knob and a war chanter as the three heroes and then use sure. the same kind of yep. price points and then kind of do it. It'd be exactly the same otherwise. And it would still be orcs versus Stormcast. Yep. Yeah. And still fit so, the theme and everything. Yeah. yeah I yeah. agree with you. Easy enough to swap things in, change the locations if you want, change the mm-hmm. rewards a bit, or you can even completely, you know, change it up even more. So like you said, it's a great bones for this type of campaign where the results fluctuate and affect the final battle. I think I think it'd be fun to do with a variety of different uh, places and different warbands. All right. Well, that wraps up our listener questions. And before Papin kicks off the ending, I just want to thank everyone for listening again. And uh, we're looking forward to chatting with you some more. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the uh, the the fans. Thank you to the detractors. Uh, if you want to hang out with us. We are mostly in the Discord at themortalrealms.com, one word, uh, slash, forward slash, Discord. Uh, you want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, Josh is the, at the Dogs of Warcry, and you want to email us uh, some questions or concerns, please email dogsofwarcry at gmail.com. Although if you want to get your question on the show, the right thing to do is just sit in the Discord and wait. <laughs> and the day of our recording, we will ask the Warcry channel if anybody has any questions. No. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks very much. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash Discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash Patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.